Dr. Balvin Tumanabras. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraph Studio. My guest on this edition of Fangraph Studio making his fortnightly appearance on the program. It's his fortnightly appearance. He's the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com, Eric Longenhagen. Eric Longenhagen is the guest and on this edition of the program. As he does every two weeks, Eric Longenhagen endeavors here to analyze all prospects of particular note. A shortstop in the Ranger system who is playing catcher. A draft-eligible first baseman who's leading baseball's top college conference, both in home runs, which makes sense, and stolen bases, which does not does not make sense. And finally, an entire slew of college third basemen. It's a strange sort of animal, the college third baseman. Some of them are Anthony Rendon, which is to say excellent defenders who are sure to remain at the position in the pros. Others are Seattle prospect DJ Peterson, who are not excellent defenders, and immediately convert to first base upon joining professional baseball. This is merely a brief summary of our discussion, a discussion which is also full of many tangents because that's how humans talk. That's how humans talk. Another thing humans do is share episodes, dark episodes from their past. Eric Longenhagen does that here too. I had a scout tell me once that I tried to convince him to watch Mulholland Drive for like six innings one game, and I have no recollection of this. A red flag. A red flag is what Eric Longenhagen has waved right there. In any case, what do we do now? Let's move to the conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Lead prospect analyst of Fangraphs.com, Eric Longenhagen. And when does it begin? Right now. Can I ask you, can I, can I start off by asking you about Josh Morgan? Is that allowed? Yeah. Josh Morgan is a prospect in the Rangers system. And he was among the French five this week because he, well, I mean, apart from his offensive skills, which are strong in the way that a lot of the French guys tend to be strong, which is, Mm. you know, kind of high contact and relatively decent power. Um, he has another quality, which is defensive value, um, which is is also common amongst the fringe five guys. But his defensive value manifests itself curiously because while he has typically played a lot of shortstop, um, and then also I think second and third, he's, he's played third this year too, mm-hmm. uh, He's he's also now made six starts as of as of today, he's made six starts at catcher, and there's not. I don't think it's very common to see players uh, convert from shortstop to catcher. But I'm curious if I'm wrong. I, I mean, I don't want to be wrong. But I don't think I'm you're. To be wrong. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Mm. But um, yeah, Morgan's. There have been people advocating for a move with Morgan for like a couple of years now. And he has worked back there for a little while, like during instructs the last couple of years. He'd put on some gear and go back there. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't show up in a box score anywhere. It's just sort of been this weirdo side project. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's okay. He's okay back there. He's got the – it's it's a prototypical – catcher's body and he's got the arm strength for it and it's certainly by me telling you that 
it's a prototypical catcher's body, you should probably understand that it's it's not one that you typically see at shortstop. Yeah, right. Well, the, the, you rarely are they the same body types. Right. So the the options were to move him to third, which is the one that makes the most you know just the most uh, obvious path. Yeah. That these mm-hmm. guys follow, and then the other was to try behind the plate, and he probably doesn't have the sort of game power output you typically associate with third baseman. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like he's high end makeup kid and a good athlete, and those are the kids that tend to work as far as catching conversions go. So, yeah, I you know I think he's got a shot back there, and certainly if if it all works, his receiving's pretty rough. Still, um, but some of the other aspects of, of catching are fine. But if it works, then yeah, I think he's got a pretty good chance to be to have like a big league career of some kind. And there are other people who think that if it if it sticks with his bat, that he could be more than you know more than that, like a potential above average everyday type of player. So when you it's, were- it's interesting, but I don't know. Look at the list of look at the list of big league catchers and like the guys that move there from somewhere else. And I'm sure that there's there are some middle infielders. You know, Carlos Ruiz was a middle infielder as an as an amateur. Oh, that's a that's um that's a funny thought. Russell Martin kicked around the infield a little bit. He desperately wants to play every other position. For I think he wants to play and perhaps has played. Uh, what shortstop or third base for Team Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Buster Posey yeah. played a bunch of other places in college as well as catcher, and then just moved there full time as as a pro. Um, so yeah, like catchers get their Tony weird Walters. Ways. Tony Walters. Tony Walters. Yeah, it's another good one. Shortstop. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Have we talked about him on the podcast before? I feel like I've talked about Tony Walters a bunch before. Maybe it's I don't been know with about other on, people. Yeah, I don't know if it's been with me. Why? Or what, what? Did he come out of the Cleveland system? Is that right? He did. So there were a bunch of low-level shortstop prospects in Cleveland's farm system at the time, like Ronnie Rodriguez, who's still like in AAA. I don't know uh, who else was I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that were was there. Dorsus Paul Polino. Yeah, Polino. I is he still? He's in AA. I think he's he's off to a pretty good start offensively this season. Um, but there were a lot of really young shortstop, second base type prospects in Cleveland system at the same time. And Walters, Jose Ramirez was probably one of them. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so was Walters. And it was pretty obvious that uh, Walters could hit, but was probably going to grow off of short and and maybe just the middle infield altogether, and probably wasn't going to hit for the kind of power that you need at third base. And so they they moved him. And again, this is like one of these high end makeup athletic kids and uh i got to watch walters convert basically in the carolina league when um the carolina mudcats were still the indians uh affiliate and like you see him early in the year and you saw him in the middle of the year and he'd gotten much better and the pitchers charting weren't complaining about him anymore and um now wait, what do you mean a, that? What do you mean? Wait, what does that mean? The pitchers, <laughs> well, I know that I know the pitchers. What usually the guy who's starting the next day is charting? Is that right? Yeah. What's yeah? The, or, it, or you'll see a lot of times in the low minors, you'll see more than one guy is charting. They'll like chart in in tandems, or mm-hmm. sometimes there there will be three of them. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, like typically it's the guy whose day who starts the next day. And if it's tandem, then a lot of times it's the along him along with the guy who started the day before. Um, and yeah, you know, like when a catcher convert drops a a ball that should have been called a strike, but wasn't because he dropped the ball or lets something get between his legs. And, you know, the, the guys that are charting look at each other and say, no, that you know, that's at least I had three of those yesterday, or something like that. You know that oh, yeah. <laughs> the catcher is probably having some issues. They're griping, yeah. yeah. But like Walters by midseason that year, you know, the pitchers were they seemed to enjoy throwing to him yeah. already at that point. So yeah, I mean, like it's happened. It happens. It's weird. Wilson Contreras was an infielder at one point. Oh yeah, he was. Closers and catchers are all weird. They come from strange places. Well, sometimes closers were catchers. Were catchers, yeah. In, uh, what, Kenley Jansen, certainly. Uh, Jason Mott. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment, but I'm sure there's a lot of them. They're usually giant giant people. They're big people. And they had arm strength. I guess they have arm strength, right? So that's like where you start. Mm-hmm. That's what you said about Nick Pavetta. You said he was an, uh, the... Um, <laughs> Philly's prospect. No, you say well because I, I. So I'm so familiar with your prose now, and in certain phrases that you use. Yeah. And you, I, you described him as a as an arm strength draft pick, which is what, which is I assume, um, well, yeah, he was like a guy who was not particularly refined, but who could throw hard and. Uh, a team would say, "Well, that's a good start." Mm-hmm. Can't can't teach someone to throw hard is what they would probably say. Yeah, he was a um, he was like a, a mid round, like a mid probably third to fifth round type guy uh, in the 2013 draft out of a junior college in New Mexico. Um, yeah, and I don't know what the I mean I could find out, but I don't know what the area scout saw in him at that time, but it, it just seems like he's, as long as I've been, you know, collecting information about Nick Pavetta, he's been a, like, heavy low to mid-90s fastball, curveball guy. Um, and there were just some issues, not necessarily with walks, but just um, lack of a third pitch mm-hmm. and, uh, and or insufficient command of the curveball to deal with left-handed hitters Despite lacking a changeup, um, yeah. so, but yeah, now can I, can I tell you how I can I tell you how I like to to think about it? How do you like is to think con- about it? Control, Eric. Control is where you don't walk people, but command right. is being able to locate a pitch. I think that yes, that's that's my heuristic. That's potentially groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I. That's how I conceive of it. Um, yeah, but, uh, well, I don't know. As I mentioned, uh, I think before I started recording, Nick Pavetta is going to be starting Saturday. So, But by the time that I publish this, he will have already started. And so everyone will oh, know a little bit more about Nick Pavetta. The yeah. world, certainly people in Philadelphia will, because he's going to be starting for their major league team. Have you been following the NFL draft at all? No. Okay. No, I do know, however... <laughs> I do know, however, that I was watching a game yesterday, 
and I forget which player precisely I was attempting to observe. Uh, but whoever, what, whatever it was. Oh no, I know it was. I was watching Max Schrock, as precisely what I was watching. Oh yeah. Yeah. And from from Midland, maybe it was Midland Corpus Christi. Is that would they ever play each other? Yeah, they would. Yeah, Midland and Corpus Christi. Oh yeah. Um, they mentioned that Deshaun Watson had been selected by whatever team. Oh yeah, Houston. Yeah. Oh, that would make sense because that's sense also in Corpus Texas. Christi. Yeah. Yeah. So wait. So what do you care about that? The yeah, well, it's in Philadelphia. That's why I'm like Philadelphia is kind of preoccupied with the draft right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they have a lot of people now. there, and they all. Were booing naturally. It was beautiful. <laughs> Who? Wait, what were they booing? They were booing the, the commissioner, the NFL commissioner, and oh, yeah. when the Cowboys made a pick, and when the Giants made a pick, and yeah, as all was, like was a, right with the world. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Someone uh, asked me hmm. in a chat. Uh, it was this, my, this last week. If you could play for any specific franchise, which one would it be? And I decided that they were just really asking me where I wanted to live. Oh, yeah, but I don't think that that's... Do you... I don't know if that's how everyone would... No, I understand. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. But if you don't have a favorite team, like, what else... Where Who would you want to play for? And what factors would decide... would determine where, who you ultimately decided to play for, all things being equal? Salary and all well, that I would stuff. say like now is this just baseball? I assume. Yeah, right, just let's baseball. make it just baseball. Yeah, I would say, I would say that management would also be uh, a factor. For example, um, if you were the sort of person who was interested in living in Miami, and I might be that sort of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's not the top of my list, but it's not the bottom either. Uh, b- uh, it would. The consideration of ownership and and its influence on the team sure. would be um, would weigh would 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 receive some weight in my in my conclusion how I rank the teams. Um, and whereas, like for example, I have no interest in Tampa Bay really, but um, uh, living in Tampa Bay, but the fact that the team there seems to uh, experiment. The same thing with Houston. Who had a good piece about that today? Oh yeah, Travis Sachuk. Travis Sarchuk uh, wrote a piece about Houston's outfield shift. Houston has an outfield shift. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. They kind of don't need one. They have a bunch of center fielders on their roster. <laughs> yeah, although the the problem is that now they don't, really. Oh, because yeah, Because they true. have Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon in center field. Cause oh, you, I think so you said Houston, no, but no, that's right. I thought you, you said no, Houston oh, has an outfield shift, not Pittsburgh. Oh, right. So we were both idiots. We both got confused. Right. Although Houston – so actually – so that's a good point. A.J. Hinch made the point that he does – he actually made this point. He says he does the shift when he has his most athletic team out there. Which is, comprises said, who? Well, let's see. He said, I think, Marisnik in center, okay. Redick yeah. in, in left, and Springer in right. That's what I was curious about because I do think Marisnik is an excellent defensive player, but he can't hit. Precisely. But I think this particular day, he was reduced because of some injuries. He was reduced to Reddick in center, Aoki in right, and Carlos Beltran in left. Which is not, uh, which is interesting though that he was less likely to employ the shifts with less athletic players. But maybe it's not mm-hmm. just less athletic players; it's guys who are playing basically out of position. 
And so asking them not only to play more or less out of position, but also to uh, as, like adopt odd positioning um, in, within the, the sort of confines of that position, he might have regarded that as risky or not risky, just unfair, I guess. So. It's good scouting by Travis. Noticing the, the yeah, he noticed the it last year. Nature of the of the way they do it. Wait, did you go, have you Googled this already? Have you? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at. Well, yeah, yeah I'm looking at the. I'm looking he, at the and chart. So he noticed that la- he noticed that last year. Yeah, that's good. What do you think about that. Yeah, what a guy, right? Mm-hmm. He should advance for someone. He's a, he's a, he's got quite a mind. I don't know how well you know Travis, but he's a, not really at all. He is, he is very, I think he is very curious about, very excited by, um, the teams and uh, the people on those teams who are charged with conceiving of and, uh, executing the sort of, uh, strategies that on the front lines of things. Do you think that some of the, the batted ball de- data cannibalizes our ability to quantifiably measure defense. Oh, that do you appear to be asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I assume. Well, okay. Well, let well, me so just like, let me just throw this premise out there to you, and you can tell me if you think it's insane. Okay. So, if every if every left fielder were forced to start in the same position. On the field, mm-hmm. and was hit an equally an equally uniform array of balls. Mm-hmm. You could almost exactly determine how good each player is defensively. Right. Yeah. Being able to position your outfielders or any fielder mm-hmm. more efficiently just adds noise to that data because now implicit in it is well these. Defenders are being positioned differently and perhaps at times more efficiently than others. Yeah, I think my guess is that with the advent of StatCast, which provides um, start starting location and then location of catch and also oh, yeah, hang time, true. hang time and distance traveled. My guess is that's not that's not as much of a problem. It I, I'm sure my guess is it has been a problem. Uh, sure. Yeah. With the better ball data up till now, and probably I'm a DRS guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I noticed that because you have that tattoo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a DRS man. What can I say? So, <laughs> and that was that's how you uh, that was that was uh, how you got a date with your first wife, your first wife, mm-hmm. your first with your wife, your first date with your wife. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you ever think your, about uh, your inevitable divorce, Eric? <laughs> Think about your future divorce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. 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 <laughs> when I'm at like, when I'm taking diligent notes about a 17 year old high school kid's body, <laughs> and I'm and it's my wife's birthday, and I'm <laughs> a, and I'm a six hour drive away from from her, and she's just gonna come home to an empty house on her birthday because I'm watching like Garrett Mitchell and thinking about how teams are gonna deal with his. Type one diabetes in the draft. <laughs> yes, it crosses my mind, Carson. Thank you. <laughs> oh, speaking of Garrett's and catchers, Garrett Stubbs. Yeah. So you watched I, him the I other saw, night. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And it, well, I did. I, I did. Uh, I should have gotten video of it. 
<clears throat> what I saw him do, because we, we mentioned a little bit um, some uncharacteristic catchers uh, um, or catchers who we mentioned moving from shortstop or, you know, or somewhere, base maybe somewhere to catcher. Uh, I don't know if Garrett Stubbs, I don't think he played elsewhere because he went to UCLA, right? He played catcher at UCLA. USC. Sure. But yeah. He, right. In the greater Los Angeles area. I think we can all agree that to that. Um, I saw him lay down a bunt for a hit. Yeah. That's not something catchers do a lot. Nope. He's a Did lefty hitter, first of all, and he uh, bunted it down the third baseline. I forget if he was safe or not, but the point was it was a good bunt, and he's athletic enough for it even to be an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you've noted to me, I was going to say you've noted to me privately, but it's not It's not really, <laughs> it's not dirty, uh, that Garrett Stubbs is an interesting case um, because of because he has he's particularly he's tiny relative to other catchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I so forget what he's listed yeah. at, but it's like five, is it like five ten one sixty or something like that? He's basically he's my size, mm-hmm. and was part of the, there was an an overflow of catchers for the la, over the last couple of years coming out of USC. So he was somewhat obscured uh, by other prospects on the team. But he was played as a senior and was very good. He was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year as a senior at USC. Um, and a lot of scouts got in to see him at regionals that year because Dylan Tate and Santa Barbara was also in that regional. Uh, and Virginia, who had a bunch of draft-eligible prospects that were uh, quite good, either that year or, or the following year, uh, they were also in that regional. So there were a lot of people in and who got eyes on Stubbs, and he played really well. And so, like, he was a high-priority senior sign and uh, someone who I think was was pretty favorable from both a, st- a scouting and analytics perspective as a senior. And those are your, those are your high-priority senior signs. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he's uh, certainly an outlier as far as size goes. And scouts don't know if his body is going to hold up over like a 100, 120 game slate of catching every day, even though he, he almost certainly has the tools to, to do that, to justify doing that. If you put Garrett Stubbs' tools on a 6'2", 220-pound guy, that's like an everyday catcher and no one has any concern about it whatsoever. And then comp- compounding it is... Like, he's already dealt with shoulder and knee issues this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's just no other, there's just no other players across the minor leagues like this guy. The closest one that I think you'd be able to find is like Austin Barnes. Oh, right. Uh, who's a catcher in the Dodgers system. I think he actually, he's probably on the big club right now. Um, but Barnes but he's can not catch. getting regular, not getting regular playing time. He's been like right. the, one of the best players in the minor leagues for two or three years now. Right, and he's now he's twenty seven now. Yeah, but I know has. scouts that really like him. Like they they take him in an instant, especially clubs. And you could probably pick out the handful of clubs that clearly do this that value versatility. That they think it's it's a separator for guys who otherwise might only be like you know a fringe big leaguer if they were pigeonholed into one position. But um, 
So yeah, Barnes is like 27, but he all he catches and he also can play like second and third base. Um, so yeah, Stubbs is interesting. He's already like I said, it was a senior sign, so it's it's an advanced age prospect. And if you're looking to expand his defensive horizons, like the clock is ticking on that because we're looking at someone who's entering his mid 20s. So yeah. it's I I I'm pretty sure he's a catcher for Houston. Like I'm pretty sure they just view him as a catcher. Um, but if you look at that big league roster and you look at the rest of the prospects in that system, their, their type in Houston is, they like big dudes. So it wouldn't surprise me if, um, Stubbs were, were someone's like second or third piece in a trade that, that Houston makes this summer, to be honest with you. I, that's mm-hmm. totally speculative on my part. And I know that's horribly irresponsible, but like, this is a guy that, he looks really good on paper, but it's just – if you look across the Astros system and look at the guys they have behind the plate at the big league level right now, like they just like big dudes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting. And yeah, I don't um, – but he's like a 50 runner with like a 55 arm when he's healthy and he's got good bat speed and he's got a really good approach. But he's just – he's my size. So Let me ask you this question. Fast. You mentioned Stubbs is a senior sign. Mm-hmm. Um, say you have two identical players, right? In terms of um, skill, uh, they possess all. They possess exact same tools, exact same skills. One of them's a junior in college and is is jun- you know appropriately aged, not a redshirt or anything. The other is a senior. When the um, when the draft comes around, how like generically speaking, how much later do you think that the senior will be selected and then i suppose question like the follow-up question is how much later ought he be selected and it could be the same answer um that's a good question i'm basically asking like what's the penalty for being for being a senior i guess it really has to do with the leverage they have right and what your that's a tough question because you you have to think there's some there's some if if the junior is producing the same stats as the senior you have to think that given another year the junior would be better than the senior right and at that and at that right. at that location on the age curve uh, we can expect pretty considerable improvement year to year because these are guys who are maturing physically and at the same time they're not losing typically those uh, those physical tools that help them, you know, defensively, for example, like speed's not deteriorating mm-hmm. um, in the same way. Yet. So it's it's a good, it's a strong period for players. They're they're getting better. Um, it, it's probably something like a couple hundred thousand bucks. Okay. Um, you probably have to. We could probably sit and find, dig up senior signs from recent drafts. And uh, and find someone from that draft who's similar skill wise, mm-hmm. but is just a junior, and 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 see if we can find some common threads and the differences. Yeah, but also I read that. factoring into it is like uh, even if you let's say you like the guys the same on paper, the senior because the senior has less negotiating leverage and is like going to command a, a lesser dollar figure. You don't want to use your higher bonus slots on that guy 
when you could be using it on a player that might not get to your next pick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot working against Although, wouldn't you, wouldn't you maybe do it because you know if you, cause if you want to take a guy and give him an overslot bonus within the first 10 rounds? Right, yeah, you could do that. Sh- sure. But, um, but like, but that, pl- if you're targeting a specific player, that player, like, has the opportunity to go. You know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna give a senior sign, whatever it is, not, not just $10,000 the minimum, but like, if it's someone that you also kind of like, like a $100,000, $200,000 type of player, you could still take that guy late, yeah. but, you know. Your other guy I'm might only, not get to you, is what I'm trying to say. I'm only partially embarrassed to say that um, I was very interested in a player named Chris Keck. From who, UCLA? Yeah, UCLA, yeah, mm-hmm. who right? Who was who was a senior there. And he had not received many plate appearances between his freshman and, uh, and junior seasons. And then, uh, but his, his senior season, he was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. He batted in the middle of UCLA's lineup. He exhibited... Uh, promising contact skills and uh, less in the during the conference schedule, but during the non-conference portion of the schedule, he was uh, hitting a lot of home runs and extra base hits. And I said, "Well, this is this is a player about whom I, I at least so I'm going to monitor." Um, and of course, I did not have I had even less experience with college baseball at the time than I do mm-hmm. now. Um, and then Chris <laughs> Keck was not selected until the 18th round. Uh, I forget the precise dollar figure for his bonus, but it was not big. And um, he is out of baseball now. I think he's out of affiliated baseball. Is uh, he? He played two. Yeah, he played two seasons. Oh, oh yeah. We, and I know this because I've been following Chris Keck oh, with sure, some yeah. interest. Uh, he he played uh, again after playing as a senior. Uh, he he was sent to rookie level ball. He played mm-hmm. in the Pioneer League. Uh, in Colorado system, and then last year he played in the Sally League as a 23-year-old. So he was older, and he did fine, kind of, except he struck out almost 30% of the time. Oh, okay. Which, and, and, and that was surprising to me because it was such a far cry from the numbers he'd produced over a relatively decent sample in mm-hmm. the Pac-12, which is a competitive conference. Yeah. And so then I thought to myself, I said, uh, oh, I don't know much about what what it means to be a senior in college because I assumed that if I had known I would not have been as optimistic about it. You have to wonder if some of the guys who are blocked at bigger programs like UCLA and don't get a lot of playing time, a situation similar to the one that Keck experienced, if they just don't develop and mm-hmm. maybe had they gone to a smaller school and gotten more reps that they, they otherwise could have. Because like UCLA had a lot of corner type first and third left and right type of players on just the the recent teams um is it Brett Stevens is still there he's a senior this year Luke Persico and uh Eric Falia when he was playing were both like DH yeah, yeah, first Falea, base yeah. types so yeah Keck just kind of got lost in a bunch of similar bodies just guys who were marginally better, and I, you know, just didn't play. So that's weird. But yeah, I hadn't thought if about I, Chris Keck in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably that's probably reasonable. Here's a question. I was thinking about this with regard to Nick Senzel the other day. Nick Senzel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played third base at Tennessee, right? Yeah. 
What what positions are you playing now? Third base? Mm-hmm. What percentage of guys who are playing third base in college do you think end up playing third base? Uh, hmm. You know, as as they advance through the through the pros, and I'm curious about it, kind of at every position, I suppose. But I was thinking about it with regard to Senzel because there is another thing to which uh, I've needed to become accustomed when I'm following college ball is simply because I see a player at a position. Uh, I should not I should not necessarily get uh, used to seeing him at that position uh, because there are some guys like I think there was like a team. There's either like a Texas A&M or Mississippi State team a couple years ago that had a very big man playing third base. And it's because I think there was an even bigger man across the diamond. <laughs> I think there was definitely someone boom named Boomer. It was definitely someone named Boomer and he was playing third base. And I and when I was just doing running the numbers, I was like, "Well, look at this person. He's playing third base," which means generically, at least in professional baseball that he is producing just by way of his his position, his positional adjustment is providing some positive defensive value. Right. If you assume that he's an average defender, then you would say, um, but then you would say, well, look at this. This is a, that this is good. This is probably this is a promising young player. But then when I saw whoever it was Boomer's body, when I saw what he looked like, I was like, this is not a this person will not play third base. Was it Eric Gutierrez? The, no, no, no. Okay. Wait, although that name's familiar. Eric Gutierrez? That's Eric Texas, Gutierrez? That's a big-bodied Texas Tech third baseman. Okay, no, it's not Eric Gutierrez. Okay. No, this was almost certainly someone named Boomer. Okay. <laughs> Just imagine someone named Boomer and then yeah. imagine his body type. Sure. You've done it then. Actually, oh, yeah. you know who it might have been? It might have not been someone named Boomer. It might have been – well, it might have, that might have been one guy who was an example of it. But I think another example of this was Logan Notbrook. Logan Notbrook. Logan Notbrook? Is he a person? I don't know. You, there's someone named Boomer, apparently, that I don't know about, so I'm not going to claim to know about this guy. Yeah, well, look, I'm sending you... I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. This is not really. this is not, not make it for great radio, but I'll send you a link uh, to some images of Logan Notbrook. Okay. Maybe he still, uh, maybe he still plays. No, he's in the minors now. What's he doing there? Well, we should – let's think about your initial question, which was about Senzel and college third baseman staying at third base. Right. So just look at the last couple years of college third baseman that were drafted, and we can even narrow our scope to like the first round or whatever. And what do you think? Will you go back, go back to 2010 mm-hmm. and look at it from there? I bet it's more than you think. Really? Yeah. Um, okay, so 2010, uh, college third baseman. Okay, Zach Cox. Remember Zach, Zach Cox? Cox? Okay, so Zach Cox was was just a bad draft pick, right? Uh, powerless third baseman out of the University of Arkansas. Uh, sort of a he was a bad bodied guy who a lot of scouts thought were go- was going to have to move over to first base and didn't have any power. But he put up great numbers at Arkansas. So that was first round of 2010. He was the only college third baseman that went. Moved off of third base. Okay. You keep, I'm going to leave it to you to keep the tab of uh Okay, wait, wait. Sorry. So let me write it down. So, so who would I write? I write on uh, Z Cox. Yeah, sure. 
And then, and then, what's the what else should I write? I should say, I should say, yeah, I'm going to do Y or N. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. As too. in, as in, like stayed or didn't stay, right? Right. So, did, did Zach Cox remain at third base? No. Right, because he's a bad bodied. Right. Oh, he's he looks at five eleven, two twenty five. That's a big person. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, so Zach Cox, two thousand ten. Okay. Uh, all right, I got to get to the. 2011 first round. Hold on. <laughs> By the way, the, the player about whom I was thinking is Boomer White. Boomer White. And he okay. is a he is an, a, a product of Texas A&M. And he's playing third base now. He's listed at 5'10", 195. That's not quite as big. All right. Uh, but continue. continue. 2011 draft. This draft was like historic, historic talent in this draft. Okay. Okay. All right. So who do you have? Is there any, I don't see a single college third baseman. I see high school third baseman, but no college okay. third baseman. So that's out. Uh-huh. The only one I that you could argue, I guess, Jace Peterson was a shortstop at McNeese State, but was never projected to stay at shortstop, and but was always going to be like a a utility type. But he didn't play third base in college, so I don't. I guess it doesn't count. Oh no, wait, Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon. Oh yeah. Okay, so there's a yes, Anthony Rendon, national third base. Probably should have been 1-1 that year. was the odds-on favorite going into the season, but uh, dealt with injury issues. Right. Okay. What was his, what was, wait, wait. Let me ask you. What was his reputation as a college defender? Excellent defender. Was he – okay, regarded as an excellent third baseman. Yes. But did not – but nevertheless did not play shortstop for that, what, Rice team? Right. And why didn't he play shortstop? Well, did he? I don't know. You have to look that up. I don't remember. I kind I thought, of. I, I'm well, sure he, I mean, he was not days. the regular. He was not the regular shortstop. No. Presumably, because aren't we going over guys who played? You're, you're telling me he played third base in college. He played third base in college. Right. Yeah. So someone played shortstop on on, on, the, on the team, the, and it was not on him. The, on the 2011 Rice Owls baseball team. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Not who him. Though. Uh, maybe. Are you looking? Derek Hamilton? Maybe Shane Holscher? Yeah, I don't know any of those guys. Maybe Michael Fuda? <laughs> I have. I have a shortstop named Chase Stringer being drafted out of Rice in the 16th round of 2013. So he's okay. probably the best defensive shortstop on that roster. Right. He is also not on that team. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, continue. 2012. All right, so we're moving on to 2012 first round. All right. Uh, I don't see any third baseman. Okay, here's one. Steven Piscotti, third base. This is a third base oh, yeah. uh, from Stanford. So that's a no. Right. That's a no. He worked out as a prospect but did not stay at third base. Richie Schaefer, third, base at, third baseman at Clemson. What happened? Corner outfield. It's yeah. He kind of splits time at third, first in the corner outfield spots. I'd say that's probably. I would say. I'd, I'd say, say it's, it's a. a I'd say it's a no. Yeah. yeah. You going down the list still? I'm. I'm yeah. Gallo. Are you, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo was a high school pick in 2012. Uh, okay, Patrick Wisdom. St. Mary's College of California, 52nd overall, supplemental first rounder. Mm-hmm. That's um, he's another guy. Was he a third baseman? He was a third baseman in college. Yes. So wisdom, Patrick Wisdom. 
Does you have? Where's he I playing now? You would have known about wisdom. No, I guess not. Um, he still plays third base. Okay. His bat has kind of stalled out. Oh yeah, I come across his name sometimes. Yeah, but he was in a, right. he was in the fall league a couple years ago, so I've seen him. But yeah, he's still playing third base. Okay. Uh, okay, 2013. We're moving on to 2013. Yeah. And right now we have two players who've remained there and one who hasn't. And we should probably, you should probably say there's probably some bias implicit to this, right? Because mm-hmm. if you figure that a guy is going to be able to remain at the position, then that probably helps his draft standing, right? Yes, I would agree Does with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's 100% correct. So there's definitely some bias. Okay. Okay, 2013, Chris Bryant stayed right. there. Very good stayed player. Stayed there, right. Uh, Colin Moran. Colin Moran. The third baseman from North Carolina. There was some yeah. r- weird rumors, like, ahead of that draft that the Astros were considering him at 1-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, based on their later acquisition of him, I don't doubt that he was potentially in the conversation. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, he hasn't worked out. Not yet. W- but he's playing third base. I think he's still playing third base, though. Yeah. Okay. He's uh, actually hitting decently this year so far. So. Yeah, people were not happy that I left him off of the Astros list altogether, but I've just never been on him, so sorry. Um, oh, I should have picked him up. What an idiot. No, you're okay. <laughs> uh, oh, DJ Peterson, who in the Mariners system. Oh yeah, who's on the forty man roster, but his bat has gone backwards like each of the last three years. He's not at third base anymore. Was probably never going to no. going to stay there, uh, and no. is arguably not really a prospect at this point. But he's on the forty man. He's yeah. We we we've talked about how weird the Mariners roster is on this show before, but I was looking when Segura went down. To see who else they have shortstop wise on the forty man, and there there wasn't anyone at the time. Like so, Taylor Motter is the only other guy on the forty man who can do anything other than just hit, because it was like Vogelbach and Peterson were the only two other infielders on their forty man when Segura went down, and then everybody else because they have all these outfielders and Ben Gamble was in AAA and on the forty man, so they just kind of they have like this incredible versatility in the outfield and none of it on the infield at all. Yeah. Although I believe that the uh, uh, Motter has worked out quite well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been, he's really been hitting. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. 2013, the final first round third baseman to go was Eric Jagailo from Notre Dame who the Yankees drafted at 26 and he has moved to first base. He's moved to first base. Okay. God, it's windy here. Yeah. Uh, okay, 2014. The only college third baseman in the first round was Matt Chapman out of Fullerton. Who opened oh, to- Matty Chapman, huh? Yeah. And he was also an excellent defender in college. And he is still at third base. He's not playing right now because he's hurt, but he's an excellent defensive third baseman. Okay. And then 2015... Nope, that's a high school kid. Eh, Bregman was a shortstop in college, so there are no college third basemen in the first round. 
of 2015. And then last year, Sandville, obviously. Sandville, it's interesting that you brought him up because of the guys that we've talked about so far, they're all either excellent defensive third basemen like Rendon and Chapman were, Mm-hmm. Uh, or were likely to move off of the position from the beginning. Whereas Senzel, as sort of, as a rising junior, was a question to stay at third base, but was like a weird average to above average straight line runner, and scouts thought maybe he'd have a chance to play second base because he did have enough straight line speed to arguably play the middle infield. But his actions were just not good at third base. So they thought maybe – they're two very different positions because at third base a lot of it is uh, reactions and instincts where at second base it's more about like there's more elegance and range to what you have to, to do defensively. So even though you can't play one, doesn't necessarily preclude you from doing another doing the other because they're totally different things. So, like, there were scouts that wanted to try him at second base or that thought worse, he'd have to move to a corner outfield spot. But he seemed to qu- not only quell all those concerns but also be, like, excellent defensively his his junior year at Tennessee. So that's another weird thing that we've come across with third baseman. Nolan Arenado was like this, too, as a prospect. Nolan Arenado oh, yeah. was not well thought of defensively. And now he's incredible. So third base seems to be this weird thing where – uh, it's it's seems to be one of the things that the industry misses on uh, more often than they do at other positions. Think all the elite defensive shortstops. Everyone like immediately knows that Jose Iglesias and Freddie Galvis are incredible defensive shortstops. Right, it's never in question. And same goes, you know, with like the guys who are really good in center field. Once you see them playing out there for a while. Uh, like you just know, but at third base, for whatever reason, we've been wrong a lot. And I don't know if there's a player development thing, uh, that, that unlocks gold glove caliber, caliber defense at third base, but it seems like there might be something people know about. I don't know. Hey, another player, uh, uh, that might be relevant here is Will Craig selected this pass oh, yeah. by the Royal or by the Pirates in the first draft. I, if I'm not mistaken, he played, uh, quite a bit of first base and he during pitched. college. He and pitched, he pitched too. for Wake Forest. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why he played third base too, was to minimize his. But he's been playing uh, mostly. Oh, he's been playing first base this year. Yeah, so he was there. always a first base only guy. But he played third. He played third base only last year. What do you think yeah, about that? You'll see a lot of the teams when they draft the guy that they want to convert will let them finish their year like they draft them and then they sign them oh, and then they play the rest of that summer at their current position so craig didn't stay there no he didn't stay there okay so the report card do you want to know what it is yeah including senzel as a guy who stays it's six to six okay half moved off but i think you're right some of the some of the players we noted were like you consider them elite defenders right right like tony rendon um, Colin Moran had a good defensive reputation, right? Uh, I think it was like that was more lukewarm, but yeah, okay. it wasn't. He wasn't because like he was a slightly built guy. It wasn't like Will Craig, who's priority two hundred thirty pounds, right? It wasn't like that. But he wasn't Matt Chapman either. But yes, it, it seems to be 
in general, like they should probably have a good defensive pedigree coming in. And then and I feel I feel like Steve Piscotti. I feel like he had a decent reputation as a third baseman when he arrived. That and, I don't remember. And, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we really got to the bottom of things today, didn't we? I guess so. Third baseman. Probably not, though. <laughs> we use for it. So I guess you could say, if a guy has, generally speaking, first round appeal, there's roughly a fifty percent chance. But but I think we also I think, as you noted, you also found out that there was some there there was not necessarily a lot of ambiguity with with many of these players. No, they were either almost clearly going to stay. And then I think you pointed out Senzel was the was probably. He's the produces uh, the most interesting case. I guess in terms of the middle infield, would Ian Happ occupy a similar place? Uh, first round pick for by the Cubs, right? By the Cubs. Yeah, Happ Happ was another really interesting case, and we're gonna have this. We have it this year uh, with a couple guys as well. Um, Happ's junior year at Cincinnati was sort of warped by hernia surgery. He had mm-hmm. double hernia surgery weeks before the season. And so his ability to play second base uh, was limited by his recovery from that. So you'd see him a lot of times in like the outfielder at first base. Uh, and he played like a bunch of spots as a junior. But no one – and he wasn't, he wasn't – when he would play second base, wasn't terrific. But no one knew how much of – that was because he was still just coming off of this surgery and how much of it was just skill deficiency. Uh, and so it turns out a couple years later that it, it was more of the latter, but he still might be passable at second base, uh, beca- perhaps because of the batted ball data that we've, uh, we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Um, but even if he's not, like the bat fits in left field anyway. So I think he's going to be fine. But like I said, gonna fine. we're going to have in this year's draft a bunch of similar cases where college position players are judged somewhat in abstraction because they are hurt and can't throw or play a position or because they spend half the time pitching or because, For example, for example, uh, Keston Hura? Yeah, Keston Hura. For UC, Ir- UC Irvine, okay, right. Who is a is a is I think regarded. I mean, regarded as a, as one of the better hitters in the draft, and is also regarded as a, as a pretty good athlete, right? Yeah, um, I watched him take ground balls at second base during batting practice of a game a couple weeks ago, and he cannot throw. Like literally, well, field the ground ball. And, like, underhand the ball to someone to dispose of because he can't throw the ball to anyone overhand. And um, that was weird. But uh, his actions defensively, his hands, his range, his footwork, all that stuff looks fine at second base. So scouts have to – and, like, it's a weird thing because I was at that game. It was a random Monday night game. There wasn't a whole lot of other stuff going on. People were in town because the Boris Classic tournament was going to start that week. And so, like, the game for a random Monday night game at UC Irvine was pretty well attended. Like, there were some scouting directors there. Uh, But not everyone got there early enough to see Keston Hura take ground balls. 
And I'm sure like everyone's area guy has done it. But if someone's going to take Keston Hura in the first round, it's probably because they think he can play second base, even if he has to have Tommy John as soon as he puts pen to paper and signs his contract. Uh, so, like, but not everyone has the same information that, that like, say I have because I went to see him. But I don't have to make that decision. Um, so, like, I don't know. It's just – and part of it is this draft class as a whole – it, the college position player crop is weak and weird. Like, we've got a plus-running first baseman named Evan White at Kentucky. And we have the most tooled-up college player in the draft, argue Jaron Kendall, the center fielder at Vanderbilt, arguably has like a 30 bat <laughs> right now. He, he has got he has <laughs> some swing and miss in his game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... The best. So there are people who think the best bat in the college class is Brendan McKay, the first baseman at Louisville, but he might go in the top two picks as a left-handed pitcher. And then there's Adam Hazley, the center fielder at Virginia, who also pitches some of the time. And no one is sure whether or not he can stay in center field, in part because they don't see him. Like they wonder if he'd get better out there if he were playing full time. I don't know. It's a weird draft. It's a weird draft. I just, and have you come across? Have you had? Uh, have you done any thinking? Because I know you're prepping now for draft stuff. Yeah. Have you done? Have you uh, used your mind to think about Brent Rooker at all? Yeah, I have. He's another guy. What do you? So when did you come across Brent Rooker? Tell people why you know who well, the hell because Brent I, Rooker is. When I um, explore explore the stats. Uh huh. Um. <laughs> He's, there's no one compare. There's no one comparable to him at this point in the SEC. Uh, he's a he's he's at Mississippi State University, and he's hitting the shit out of the ball. He's hitting it so hard, and he's not really striking out that much. And it's a great combination, uh-huh. and it's usually a pretty successful one uh, in terms of how it translates. Now, one note: I think he's a he actually might be a redshirt junior. Yeah. Uh um, yeah, I think so. So that that actually. Uh, makes our conversation for before or our conversation before is relevant in this particular case. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that he is a year older than everyone, um, or something like a year older than everyone. And then add to it is this weird thing. So here are two facts that rarely describe anyone. Um, he is he's playing mostly first base right now for Mississippi State, and he's also at least I knew that this was the case of like a week and a half ago. He's leading the SEC in stolen bases. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a better um, he had a better stolen base rate than Jaron Kendall, for example, who is the center fielder for an SEC team and a good SEC team. So 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 I like that doesn't make any sense. I mean, no. you, know, you mentioned Evan White is a good runner, but like Brent Rooker, like it seems to me that he could at least survive in a corner. So then you say, I say, well, are they attempting to hide something with his arm? I actually haven't seen him throw, um, or not not that I remember. Um, but his combination of power and speed hints at some kind of athleticism that is not typically the sort you find from a college first baseman. Um, because college first baseman, as you noted, I think, when you were discussing oh, – I know you were dealing with one of your lists, and you had you had a guy who was, was a college Bellinger? first baseman. You said – Oh, no, it wasn't then. No, it was a college first baseman. You said, oh, I don't – I don't know what to do with him because Probably. on the one end, 
I think he's good. On the other hand, the college first baseman don't don't really make it to the majors because usually usually they're third baseman in you know in college. Mm-hmm. As we you know, as we've been discussing, and then move across because they have kind of this baseline of athleticism that doesn't force them to play first base at the at the college level. I remember having issue with Peter Alonso in the Mets oh, yeah. system, who was at Florida last year and was like the Mets' third rounder, second or third rounder out of Florida. I think he might have been like their third or fourth draft pick, but like in the second round. Um. Because I had some scouts who were like, we think this guy is a big league, an average everyday big leaguer. Like, it's legit. And there were others who just were skeptical that he gets to any of the power in pro ball and then, you know, thought he had like a 4A hitter type type look to him. So that might have been that might have been him. Can I yeah, ask like as far is as Rooker is concerned. Actually, wait, is he related to Yonder Alonso? No. Oh. Um. Because that's exa- I mean, that's exactly the description of Yonder Alonso. I mean, that's the concern with Yonder Alonso. I remember watching um, Alonso try to play third base still at AAA. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah, and he was. He, I think the Reds had him in left field some too. Yeah, they did. Um, that Louisville Bats team that Alonso was on was probably was like one of the better minor league teams I've ever seen. It was like Alonso. They had uh, Araldis Chapman was on that team, Johnny Cueto, Edison Volquez. Oh uh, God, who else was Edwin Encarnacion still? No, they had another like third baseman that flopped. Who was the lefty with the big power? That Juan Francisco. There you go. Yeah, he was on the team. Mm-hmm. That's why like Alonzo was moving around because they had like Francisco and Alonzo in the same roster. Dave Sapelt was in center field. He was a pretty good prospect. I think Chris oh, yeah, Isaac was on the team. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I remember watching Alonzo try to play third base in AAA. It's weird. It's weird. Corner yeah. infield spots are weird, but Rooker, like I, people are pretty skeptical about it. But he definitely has raw power. It's not a bad body. He seems to have some. It's back control. Like he's hitting balls to all fields. But yeah, like you said, it's a college first baseman, and at least like I've talked to some of the other writers about stuff and Rooker when he comes up it sounds like their they and their sources are skeptical as well. Yeah. So well, I would yeah, I think it makes sense to be skeptical but Yeah. I mean he's doing he's doing everything he can. I oh guess yeah. Yeah. Strange. Strange little guy. It's going to be it's at this point this is probably the third or fourth draft I've yeah, this is like the fourth draft I've covered where I like am responsible for covering or helping cover the entire draft. Mm-hmm. And I think I've just learned that they're they're all weird. <laughs> they're none of them. It just seems like watching – because I do watch – like I said at the top of the show, I watch the NFL draft coverage and I watch the NBA draft coverage, not just because I like it, but because it is just interesting to see how the other industries go about it and try to learn from it and – they just, other than the makeup stuff, which complicates every draft, there are prospects with makeup stuff every draft that complicates their stock. Other than that, there does there there aren't many there aren't many similarities. I guess injuries too. But like baseball, by far, is just constantly weird with guys that play both ways, 
and uh, have are playing out of position because you know they play high school baseball in the Northeast and have no business playing shortstop, but they're there because they're just their team's best athlete, and like you have to evaluate around that. It's just it's very strange. You got high schoolers involved and three-year college players involved, so there's a gigantic age disparity that the NBA doesn't have, and the NFL certainly doesn't have, except for the odd, like Chris Winkie, Brandon Whedon type of prospect. Oh right, who have uh, served a uh, a mission? Yeah, guys. Have they served yes, a mission frequently. Some yeah, like. Um, Danny Watkins, uh, offensive lineman from Baylor that the Eagles drafted in the first round a couple years ago, was a Canadian firefighter and <laughs> and then started playing football and was like 26 on draft day, and they took him in the first round. I'm pretty sure Rainy Jazzierly's, uh study on draft age impact had already come out at that point. Like, you have to look at the other industry and, and consider, you know what yeah. I mean? And it didn't seem that Andy Reid... Or Howie Roseman did that. <laughs> That's Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia. That's Eric Longenagin talking about Philadelphia. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what's your next game you're attending? Uh, well, it's it's supposed to be tomorrow morning. I was at um, I was at an extended game today. I went to see the Athletics and the Angels today. But uh, tomorrow I'm going to try to go see... High school state baseball playoffs here in Arizona start in the morning. So I'm going to go to Scottsdale and see uh, and see some high school kids at Chaparral High School, assuming that I get cleared for my media credential, which is currently yeah. not the case because yeah. they, there seems to be some misconception about what Fangraphs does. I'd be, well, I'd be suspicious of you specifically. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chaparral. yeah, like, there's a couple interesting prospects there and uh, – Including Luis Gonzalez's son, who's uh, committed to TCU, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Chaparral. Chaparral's yeah. a type of biome. Is it? Yeah. You familiar with that type of biome? No. I Tell me it's about very it. Very nice. It's like a Mediterranean situation. Huh. I think the coast, maybe the coast of Italy, has got Chaparral as well. It's not like that here right now. No. Today was nice, but it's going to be a hundred again next week. Yeah. We had a brilliant day today. A great day for uh, great day for planting shrubs today, Eric. Do you talk about your gardening with anybody else, or is it just me? Is it just no, am I, I mention it. Gardening I don't, I'm not very good at uh, restraining myself if I'm enthusiastic about something. Well, oh yeah, I understand that. Yeah, you know. So I was I got you know I'm thinking about red chokeberries like all day, thinking about these red chokeberries, and. Uh, I had, a scout tell me, I had a scout tell me once that I tried to convince him to watch Mulholland Drive for like six innings one game. And I have no recollection of this. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, that that film uh, features two of my favorite moments in cinema. Really? Yeah. Which moments? Yeah. Mm, do, you, do you care to guess? I mean, one of them is... is the one is where... Really where um, is it the one where the the singing girl falls down? No, it's not it. No? I don't remember that, but... You don't remember no. that? No, I don't. No, what, no this, 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 you this don't remember the climax of, them, of the movie? No, I don't remember that. I guess it's a weird movie, so... 
one of one of my one of them is merely just a a product. It's my favorite one of my favorite movies because it's just a product of uh, just um, being it, a dummy heterosexual where, male. Yeah, it's, so it's where Naomi Watts and Laura Herring start making out. Yeah, that's that's a big part yeah, of it. Yeah, and I, one, I mean, that I, was the other one be, I was going to guess. To be fair, I haven't seen the movie for fifteen years or whatever. Okay. So that's that, when I was saw it. I was like, "This is great." That's what I said to myself. <laughs> I said, "This is great." No, the other moment. The other moment is when the fellow there is at the diner, and he he has a premonition, and he walks outside the diner, and he's like walking out by like towards where. Towards the back of the diner. Yeah, where the dumpster where, is. Where the dumpster is. Yeah. And then that, like, plant man, that that horrifying plant man pops out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that made me... What's that movie in, about? I still don't know what the movie's about. And do you know... Do you know the, I think the, it's about the, Hollywood. <laughs> I do. This, look at this film critic. Shut up. <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. I was just there. It felt, it felt right. <laughs> the, uh... No, that that it hadn't occurred to me since because at the time I had like a dial-up modem, you know, when that came out, and I don't even I don't even know if YouTube was a thing. It certainly was not a thing that people used with frequency because loading speeds were so so slow. But mm-hmm. it only recently occurred to me. I think maybe Cal, Cal, my wife and I watched um like a a brief literary or, or, or film review of. Mulholland Drive, you know, like 15 years later. And it, it didn't occur to me that I could pause on that frame to see what that plant man was like, Hor- the horrifying plant oh, man. yeah. And I did. It is gruesome. It's still gruesome to look at in a still image. Uh-huh. I mean, it was – It's the, the effect is certainly heightened by the film because he pops out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. It's a jump – what do you call it? A jump, jump scare? A jump scare? Jump, jump scare? Did uh-huh. I say it? Am I saying something? Jump scare. What am I saying? Jump, Jump scare. scare. Is that a thing? Is that a film term that people use? I probably. Okay. Have you seen the movie Get Out by Jordan yes. Peele? You I, have seen it. I did. I, um, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> but I know, if, from what I understand, it's, it's very difficult to talk about without revealing much. Uh, I haven't really sat. I'm the only person that I know who's gone to see it, so I have I haven't had a conversation with anybody uh, about it. Did you Did you go see it by yourself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, was that the way to Was that the way to do it? You think? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. The Zelda The new Zelda game had just come out, so Jill wasn't going to leave the house. Oh, you guys are nerds. Yeah. You I guys know. are real, real interesting nerds. Well, she is. But yeah. but so and she also like is not a fan of horror movies yeah. necessarily, right? And she's it, also a virulent racist. It should be added, <laughs> which would I think would color, uh, pun intended, color her opinion of the film because of her virulent racism. Remember? So I googled Mulholland Drive Plant Man and nobody else. It doesn't come up. So you must be the only no, person I don't. who refers to him as that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems like he's got oh. green. It does. I thought like he looked. Uh, diner monster, Mulholland Drive diner, diner monster. monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, is, little... it is scary. I'm not even sure it's a man, hmm. dude. It actually might not be a man. But who, it's I think a it's, 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 <laughs> it's a yeah. Monsters don't need 
Yeah. They don't need genders. Mulholland Drive's evil hobo breaks her silencio. <laughs> There's an article. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, But it's not designed... Everyone go watch Mulholland Drive and you can tell us what you think. <laughs> and then go see Get Out, too. I've watched... I remember both movies uh, very well. Okay. But yeah. um, I've seen Mulholland Drive more recently than you have. I guess you have. Maybe I'll return to it. And we can talk off camera about our feelings on both. Since I mean, I, we could talk about Mulholland Drive and not reveal any of the plot because I don't even... You don't know what the plot is. Yeah, certainly, sort of, I don't remember. It sort of just exists. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is yeah. a pl- like there is a plot, but we're saying that to be facetious. Kill List is that? A, that's another movie, isn't it? Kill List. Have I, I seen have not that? seen that one? That looks dark too. All right, let's stop this. All right, good idea. Hey, real f- a real pleasure. Yeah, we got it going. We, did, but we got it going. It's yeah, I don't know what we did. But... What happened? I said it's professionalism. Logan Nottybrook. Nottybrook? Logan Nottybrook. Boomer. Boomer White. Boomer White. Logan Nottybrook. Brent Rooker. Are you going to watch any games tonight? Are you going to do anything? Yeah. Well, my wife's not here, so I'm probably going to have... I mean, she's she's working late, so I'm going to... Okay. I got got a big shepherd's pie from Trader Joe's. 100% real shepherds. Good. It's a joke that I... Did you make it at the? Did you make it at the counter when you checked out? Did you do it? Did oh the joke? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so, but I'm not. I wouldn't be afraid to. Especially now that I'm a father to be. You got to start stockpiling these types of jokes. Have you announced that on another podcast? Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Have you announced the name? There's no name. There's no name for the baby. Sure about that? I may have heard. <laughs> I may have heard from a source. <laughs> uh, I don't. I my guess is that uh, you don't have the right name. That name's that okay. name's out of commission. All right. <laughs> does it begin with a P? No. Yes, it does. No, because do you think it begins with an S? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, but it actually begins with a P. That's <laughs> the joke. Yeah. <laughs> sure. There's a character in a Woodhouse Bad novel. Information. Bad There's a character in a Woodhouse novel. Whose name is Smith. Okay. And you th- is that the name you heard? Yeah. Yeah, and I know your source. Yeah. Your jerk source <laughs> is Kylie McDaniel, who remains a jerk to this day. And if Kylie has made it to the 11th minute of the second hour, what a jerk you are, Kylie McDaniel. Ugh. Yeah, I couldn't do Smith. My conversations with Kylie now are him avoiding telling me which what baseball games he's seeing because he doesn't want me to know. Uh-huh. And making making fun of my wife <laughs> through the phone uh-huh. at each other, yeah, and then making fun of your idea for baby names. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't know now. He doesn't know now. What also, talk about. <laughs> also, what he he lives in Atlanta, and I just feel like that's the that's the biggest glass house of them all. You know what I mean? So don't go throwing stones if you live in Atlanta. So I'm feel willing to bet that Kylie has swiped right on some. Some girls with some weird names. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, Kylie would be such a better scout and and member of the front office if somehow if somehow all the prospects were loaded up in a Tinder like app. 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be good. It wouldn't surprise oh, me man. if he's working on it. <laughs> Just give yeah the new Dude. scouting software the Braves use is very Tinder like. It's a Tinder ass. This <laughs> <laughs> is whether you're going to turn, do you, do turn you know? your guys in or not. How many guys do you, know did you swipe right on this year? All only like thirty guys. Bad down here in Georgia, in the Carolinas. Do you know that he's? Do you know that he? Uh, he's sponsored by Axe Body Spray. Kylie is no. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, that yeah, bro-ish. Let's like let's give him some credit. <laughs> he's a smart guy. He does every. I know that every time he's li- he's listening to this, I get it. Some sort of hateful text message from him. <laughs> yeah. So I can't believe you thought that about that guy. Give my give my condolences to Smith Smith Sestouli. Ugh. All right, let's stop this. All right, yeah. Hey, Eric, a pleasure. All right, bye-bye. We'll stick around for a second. Okay. That has been Eric Longenig, and he's the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.